Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Uh, We're going to finish those last two parts. So this is actually part two. The two shall become one flesh, part two. So uh, we'll look at the last two parts. Jesus answers about marriage. And then Jesus answers the disciples. So last week when we we were in this, we really kind of dealt with divorce. And and as we turn to uh, verse 6, Jesus is actually going to be dealing with marriage. They talk about divorce. Jesus points to marriage. And he actually goes all the way back to Genesis. They were in the book of Deuteronomy. And then now he's going to point them all the way back to Genesis. Uh, and, and so when one of the things I love is that he continues to move them to the Word of God. And, and, and we talked about just the, the rate of divorce that happens even in a, in a Christian church or Christian churches is like 34%. And, and so for us, one of the things that we need to think about is like, how do we live a biblical marriage that's godly, that actually brings people to want to, uh, to, to want to be married? Like I was sitting there thinking about that yesterday. I was talking to uh, a young man yesterday about how important it was for his wife to be in there with the youth as he's teaching. Because they need to see, that generation needs to see a young couple who lives for the Lord and loves the Lord. And so for us, one of the things we're going to talk about is it's going to be a little difficult today. It was difficult last week, but when we talk about marriage, I'm very passionate about marriage because I've been in a broken one uh, and, and seeing God restore it. And so when we talk about some things today, we're going to, you know, just if you need prayer, if you need to talk to Teresa and me beyond today or, or to today, just let me know. And, and we'll, we'll pray with y'all and, and we'll be here for y'all. So just, you know, just understand because there's some things that hit me this week that I need to kind of relook at and rework on and all. So let's look at verse 6. It says, But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Well, God made them male and female. So we know that just looking at this, this passage here, it comes from Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. So they go to Deuteronomy, and Jesus takes them back to Genesis, to the very beginning. They're talking about divorce. Jesus takes them back to marriage. Now, one thing that we do need to establish is that God created marriage, not the federal government or your local government. It was created by God. That's that's very, very essential. The other thing is, we just watched a, a man win the woman's, you know, uh, freestyle, you know, swimming thing. And it's like, genetically, it's a man. Male and female. I don't care what you add, extensions in the hair, whatever. The guy was ranked like 400 and something in the, in the NCAA. Now he's number one in women's sports. And what's sad is the NCAA has allowed this to happen. 
and our culture's allowed it to happen. Our culture wants you to believe in science until you actually give them science. Because if, I, if we do a genetic testing on that person, no matter what they add or take away, they're still a man. That's what God created. And so this goes against, because I'll hear people say, well, gender identity is important. It's not. It wasn't to Jesus. You created male and female. You were created by your creator, and that's how you were made. That's it. You, you, can, you, you have to a- accept that, because people will say Jesus never spoke on homosexuality or never spoke on transgender. He just did. Because he's going to deal with two things. He's going to deal with male and female, right? And then he's going to deal with what is a marriage? Male and female. Not male and male, not female and female. So he, he, he knocks it. So people will sit and say, well, Jesus never spoke on homosexuality. That's added to the Bible. Jesus is speaking about it right here. Anything outside the marriage bed, which is not a male and female husband and wife, is sexual morality. And so, therefore, it is not, it is not pure according to the Lord. And, and that's what Jesus is kind of referring to. So we need to remember as we, we see these subjects, and your kids are going to deal with them more than we will. Because I will not. Do not ask me to give me. I don't want to know your pronouns. I don't care. Okay? You're male or female. I don't, I don't need to know those. And I know that sounds harsh. But look, if you come into my church and you're gay, God bless you and I love you and I want you to, to know who Christ is and I hope you come to know Christ. Because I have heard even from my own pastor from, from Calvary Chapel, Albuquerque, where they had two women come in that were married. And they gave their lives to the Lord the same day. And they were in the scriptures and they got to the verse. And they realized that they were living unbiblical. The question is, what are you going to do with it when you... Because that's no different than any of us when we read the Word of God. When you come to something and you go, man, I'm not doing that. Are you going to be obedient or not? And so what did they do? They separated. They're both married and have kids now. So at, at the end of the day, God can restore anybody. And, and so we need to remember that. And, and we live in a, in a culture that believes in... in um, I forget the word is poly something, but they believe where you have multiple partners and, and you don't really need to be married. and It's gotten really bad. And it goes against God's word. It's sexual morality. And, and so we have to look at these things as, as, you know, regardless if it's in the culture, regardless if it's politics or LGBTQ or transgender or even theological, what do you do when you have that discussion with your with your child, is you go to the Word of God. That's what you have to do. When you're having these discussions, you go to God's Word. That's what, that's what Jesus is doing. And so that's the thing that we need to remember. We can, <clears throat> we can look at Scripture real easy. It tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5, A woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, nor a man, uh, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all who do so are an abomination to the Lord your God. Or in Romans chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, For this reason God gave them up, for, up to the vile passions, uh, for even their women exchanged their natural use uh, for what is against nature. Likewise also men, leaving their natural use of the women and burned in their lust, 
for one another, men committing uh, what, was, what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, uh, which was due. Now, we see that it's in Scripture that, that it's been dealt with uh, time and time again. And so, um, you know, Jesus debunks any kind of transgenderism or even gay marriage. Uh, and so we need to just understand that as he, as he looks at it. God designs the, uh, at the very beginning, a godly marriage, and it's, it's designed by male and female. Okay? That's, that's important that we get that. Uh, and it says, and, and that's why on the website it tells you about marriage. I will not marry you. It tells you. I don't, we, our church does not believe in that. So, you know, if somebody comes in and they're wanting the church to marry them and they're gay, I, I can't do that. So it's on the website. It's in the statement of faith for that purpose. And, and so, you know, at the end of the day, trust me, the churches are going to be tested more and more on this stuff. So, uh, verse 7 says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so then they are no longer two, but one flesh. So one plus one equals one. That's the kind of math I used to do. And all, and all makes sense, right? But, you know, we see that, that, that God has joined them together. It's a covenant between God and that couple. And, and so, um, you know, for us, it's important, too, that for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Why is that? Because if you're stuck with your parents, you're not really joining to your wife. You can't have two households living together. It works for a period because I've done it. And I'll tell you, at some point, somebody's going to go, I can't do this no more. You help. But it's not strengthening the marriage. Their marriage. We've done that with our kids. When they, hey, Dad, I need some help. Can we stay at the house? Yeah, we let you stay there for a little bit. And eventually the husband doesn't like my rules or they don't because it's not supposed to work that way. If it tells us in Scripture it's not supposed to work that way, and you know what I figured out finally? I'm hindering them from growing. This is something I learned early on in faith because I wanted to help everybody. And then God showed me you're not really helping them. I need to help them, not you. Your job's, you're done. Now they've got to become one. Think about a piece of paper. If I glue two pieces of paper together and I try to pull those pieces of paper together, what's going to happen? See, God is trying to make them stronger together as one through Him. And so that's why we need to remember that. It's, like, it's a hard thing to say because, look, I mean, as parents, we always want to help our kids, no matter what age they are. But you have to pray about it and ask, you know, okay, is, is this going to hinder them? Or is maybe God trying to show them something? It's hard. I get it. I've been through it. We're learning. You know, that's part of, that's part of growing as a Christian. You learn those things as you go. Verse 9 says, Therefore what God has joined together, let no man separate. And so God intended uh, a, a one-man, one-woman monogamous marriage. And so polygamy. People will argue that polygamy is, uh, is in the Old Testament, that it's okay. It's not. It's again, what is it? It's a hard heart. 
they don't want to play by the rules, so I'm going to have multiple wives and do what I want to do. And that's not what God intended for marriage. You go back to Genesis again. What did God intend in Genesis? One man, one woman. Right? Not polygamy. So that's a, that's a discussion that will come up as well sometimes too. It means let no man separate a human being, whether male or female. So, uh, uh, you know, being one flesh, we, we, we're seeing Jesus speak as the final authority on, on marriage. Um, he's confirming what God the Father said. And so we need to talk about marriage. We talked about divorce last week. And so, um, you know, what will happen is, is, is what we want to do is try to prevent in the church the, where it gets to the point of where I want to divorce. Um, a lot of times, people will leave the door open and throw that word out there. I'm unhappy. Uh, I, I got financial problems. I'm sick of them. Um, uh, the kids are driving me crazy. I'm tired of arguing with you. I want a divorce. And you do that in the middle of the argument. And that's wrong. It should never be an option on the table. Ever. Because if it's an option on the table, somebody's going to eventually do this. And I can tell you, I was counseling somebody uh, and, and at, the, at a, you know, and, and at, at the end of the day, what ended up happening is there was a struggle that was happening between the mother and the daughter and the stepfather who was married. And there was sin in the home, and the stepfather was trying to fix it, but because he was a stepfather, you're not telling anything to my daughter. And there's problems too, so don't, here, here's the fun part. Uh, each, when you're going through struggles, you each play a part. Now most people won't want to say that. When we went through Christian counsel, and we, we learned that, we, we each had a part. Um, and so he was also worried about his kind of in the back of his head, like what if we break up or what if we divorce? What's going to happen to my pension? He was a money, that was his first passion. Money, 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 money. He was more worried about losing the house and the money than he was about keeping his marriage. So they get into this argument and he decides, you know what, I'm done. I'm done. They get in an argument, separate. First thing he does is calls his attorney because he's worried about his, his retirement and his financing and the money that's in the bank. Including they've been married for I don't know how many years they had separate accounts, which is a whole nother problem. Because he was doing things with his money that she had no idea about. And she was doing things with her money that he had no idea about. And, and if you're supposed to be coming together as one, how does that work? Well, he calls the lawyer. Next thing you know, he's filing for divorce. That quick. He calls me up. She finds out that he had an attorney because the attorney contacted the wife. She gets an attorney. The Friday before the papers are being served, he calls me and tells me I don't want a divorce. He was acting in his emotion and feelings. But you know what? It was too late. The papers got served. And she was hurt. And they divorced. 
And so don't throw that option out on the table. The other thing that you don't want to do is let someone separate you from your spouse. So when you're having arguments, you need to be very careful because at work, people will talk to you. People will sympathize with you and sometimes from the other the other gender. And you put yourself in a very bad situation. Another thing you don't want to do is I don't, you don't need to be on Instagram or social networks trying to find your old high school fling. And you start thinking, man, it would be so great with that person. Right? This is what happens when people start arguing. These are things that this is why you're not supposed to sleep on it. You're supposed to, you're supposed to talk that stuff out. <clears throat> so as a Christian, one, and the other thing too is kids. We can't let our kids divide us. We can't let our jobs divide our marriage. Nothing should separate you from your spouse. And so for us, we need to, we need to be open to, uh, to, to, we need to one, guard our heart. We need to learn to forgive generously. And be open to change and correction, which is probably half of our problem. Open to change and correction. And understand your spouse is sandpaper for a reason. Y'all are sanctifying, that's part of the sanctification process that God, God has used that spouse for you to grow you. And, and sometimes it feels like really hard sandpaper. And sometimes it's not. And I've been married 36 years. It doesn't... I, man, every now and then I put my foot in it. And all. It's, <laughs> it's never going to change. And, and I can tell you, I, you know, at the end of the day, when I, when I looked at this, one of the things that really... I looked at it in three parts as we talk about marriage is there's three things that we need to focus on. And our marriages, one individually, your relationship with God individually. It tells us in 2 Peter 3.18, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And then you grow together in your relationship with God as a couple. As a couple. So not only are you growing with God relationally, but as a couple together. Growing closer to God. That's what makes you one. And then communication is the second. And then intimacy. Intimacy is important. And it's not what you're thinking. Now we'll talk about that. Now if, I, if, if, if this was just... <clears throat> if this was just... Uh, Marriage couples in here, and then we would get a little further into that and deal with that. So growing individually, there's, there's this wonderful uh, acronym that Pastor Joe came up with that helped me out quite a bit uh, early on in my faith. It was called the growth acronym, and each, each letter stood for something. This is on the website, so if I go through it pretty quickly, it's on the website. You can find it under the sun, salt, light uh, part of it. <clears throat> so the G is go to the Lord in prayer daily. You need to be spending time individually and as a couple daily praying. And, and uh, I know some of you are like, man, I don't pray with my wife. You need to start doing that. 
You need to take time at least once a day and just ask her, is there anything I can pray for you? Even if it's just that and then you go pray. Second, we need to be in the Word of God. So the, the, the R is read or listen to the Bible daily. Half the struggles that we go through and the temptations that we don't overcome is because we're not in God's Word. We don't spend time in God's Word. Individually and as a couple. Like, what are y'all reading together? Are y'all in a book together? Are y'all in a, in a, the Bible app has where you can be in a, in a, in a study together as a couple. So I have my individual reading and Teresa and me have our individual reading for, as a couple. You need to spend time with God in that way. The O is obedience and application. You reflect on Christ daily. So what you do is you actually take what you listen to or read and you try to apply at least one of those truths in that day. One truth a day. Meaning like if you're supposed to love your neighbor, God will give you the opportunity to, to test that out. Whether it's somebody that, that's your neighbor that does something or somebody that you're driving and they cut you off and you go, you know. <clears throat> the W is witness to others. Uh, this is something that I think strengthens not only our relationship with God when we actually share the gospel with people, but we do it as a couple. And what I mean by that is like we, and I've already seen y'all do this. This is what's beautiful. It's like I've had been able to have lunch or dinner or breakfast with all of y'all. And, and that's one of the things that I love is like just being able to have that time with y'all and just hear y'all's hearts and here's what's going on in y'all's lives. And that's, that's the same thing you do. So as somebody new comes into the church, don't be afraid to invite them to go have lunch or go have breakfast or go have dinner. Get to know them. The T is trusting God with the, your time, talent, and treasure, and your temple. And then the H is the Holy Spirit. It's, it's impossible to live out your Christian life without allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. Okay? You cannot live this life out without the Holy Spirit guiding your life and being empowered by it, individually and as a couple. See, we, we understand, you know, as we look at the roles of our relationship with God, we understand the, the role that the wife has and the husband has, but you have to remember that you're in a covenant with God. A lot of people love throwing that verse out, wife, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. But I want to take you back a little bit further. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. And I'll, I'm going to... We're going to kind of deal with this because this is something that always trips me out. Because I hear husbands throw this out all the time. And I'm like, did you read the other verses before it? Verse 15 says, See then when you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. People will ask all the time, what is the will of the Lord? Here it is. And do not be drunk with wine, and, and which is dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, 
giving thanks for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Did you get verse 21? Submitting to one another in the fear of God. I'm only the headship because that's how God has created it. I have to make the final decisions for my family. But I have to submit to God too and also be willing to serve my wife and submit to her. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wife, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife and also Christ is uh, the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself to her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. This is where husbands are failing. Now, I'm not telling you you have to sit and have a Bible study with your wife every day. But you at least need to be in the same reading. And at least be able to talk about, hey, what did you get out of the reading today? And, and that happens naturally with me and Teresa. It's not like we go, okay, it's 8 o'clock, time for Bible study. We don't do that. Now, some people do that, and I get that. That's, that's, the, that's what they do. But for us, we, we're in the Word, and we talk. At, when we get in the car or we're driving or whatever, I'll ask her, hey, what did you get out of that today? Or I'll share something that stood out to me. But we're supposed to be washing them with the word. That he might present her to himself as a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself for no, for no one ever. Let me get back to my scripture here, man. I jumped ahead. Sorry about that. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. And so, again, we have to know what our biblical role is. The, the husband has been placed over the wife to make final decisions. Does that mean that I don't talk to my wife? No. She's my rib. I need to hear her heart. I need to hear what her thoughts are. And then... But here, I make the final decision. You know what the hardest thing is to do? Is when you've been in a marriage for 22 years that's a train wreck. And you know that your decisions that you do make. This is me talking about me and Teresa. That the decisions you do make, you're worried that it's going to create chaos in the house again. And so you get gun shy. You don't want to make decisions. Because you don't want to cause conflict in the house any more than it already is already there. And so I got to a point where I couldn't make decisions. Not because I didn't want to, but because I was afraid of the repercussions that were going to come out of her mouth from them. And then one day, I, you know, we went through Christian counseling, so I don't want you to think that we figured it all out. We spent a year, 22 years of mess and a year of, of fixing um, and, and one of the things that I remember her telling me is like, I'm not going nowhere. Lead the family. And it was that confidence that I had in hearing that. 
good or bad because let me tell you I'm, I'm dumb i make bad decisions too so but at the end of the day that support is still there and when you have that i got more confident in making decisions as a husband because i knew what god was calling me to do or going directions that i needed to go but i had her she had my back she was my support she was praying for me she was she was there as i was making those decisions but she was right there as we talked about them and so we we would share now you know one of the reasons why we do have conflict it tells us in genesis 316 uh your your desire shall be contrary to your husband but he shall rule over you it's contrary to contrary to what you want because of sin this is not how it was supposed to be. And, and so, you know, when I find myself struggling, I go back to that growth acronym. I go, have I been in a word today? Was I obedient to what I read today? Am I really trusting God with my time, talent, and treasure? You see what I'm saying? I was able to go, I would always go back to that and look at it. But I also would go back to it as a couple. Because I'm the lead of the house. It's my responsibility. Now I've taught men's study. I'll beat y'all up all day long. But I won't do that while y'all are here with your wives. And all. Because that, Joe will always tell us, whenever we teach men, take the gloves off. They need to hear it. But we need to understand that the, the second part as, you, as you're growing in your relationship as an individual but also as a couple is communication. This is where most couples struggle is in communication. But let me ask you something. How does God communicate with you? Through His Word. Through prayer. Through that, that, that quietness and, and when you're meditating over the Word of God. But if you're not spending time doing any of those, how are you hearing from God? So how do you think your communication with the Lord is? And if your communication with the Lord is disrupted, how do you think your communication in your marriage is going to be? Your, your time with God is, is so important. And, and, and people just neglect it as Christians, and it's sad. And it creates major conflicts. And, and that's what happens a lot of times when, when, when there are um, when there, when there's a, that drifting that happens from the communication with the Lord is it creates a divide within the marriage. Because you're not, you're not really talking to each other. You're talking at each other. You're not really hearing each other. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. We have the power to create and the power to destroy with our mouths. And some of us are really good at destroying and tearing down. And some of us are really good at building up and encouraging. James chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze. By such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, 
but only such as good for building up. As fits the occasion that may give grace to those who hear. So, you know, when I think about it is, is the words, are they, are they unwholesome? The word unwholesome actually means spoiled meat or spoiled fruit. Is that how your conversations are with your spouse? You spend a lot of time wounding them with your words. Do you know how to speak at the right time in the right way? Are you talking down to your spouse or are you trying to build them up? And that means no labeling, no yelling, no screaming, no unwholesome words. Not saying you're just like my mother or you're just like your father. I should have listened to my mother and never married you. I've heard that one quite a few times, especially in those 22 years before Christ. And all. I was a train wreck. I'm, she had every right to say all those things. <laughs> and all. But again, it's like, are we going to try to build each other up or are we going to try to tear each other down? Another important part of communication, are you a good listener? Can you listen? That's a hard one for people. Can you actually listen to someone and hear their heart? James chapter 1 verse 19 says, Know this, uh, my beloved, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Pastor Chuck used to say this all the time, God gave us two ears, one mouth, so that we would listen twice as much as we talk. Practice speaking less. Listen. Proverbs 10, 19 says, When words are many, transgressions is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. I can remember there was one point in our counseling when we were going through Christian counseling where the, the, the lady got so upset with both of us. <laughs> and she says, Stop. And she handed us two cards. And she said, I want you to read that card to Michael, and then when, when soon as she's done, you're going to read your card to Teresa. Neither one of us could tell either what was said on the card. Because we were already in our heads. We were already trying to respond back to the person. And we figured out in that moment, our communication had broken completely down. We were in the middle of an argument, and I'm already, before she ever finishes her sentence, I already have my comeback. And before I would finish, she would have hers. And then it would just go on and on and on and on. We weren't hearing each other. Neither one of us. And, and that's it's such a, a, an important thing. So when we practice listening and, and practice our communication, you need to practice listening to the Holy Spirit more. Because there are times, and I can tell you this as a man, where I have the Holy Spirit's like, don't you say it. And I say it. And I'm like, oh, man. And I should have I listened to the Holy Spirit. 
See, I'm getting all my business out on the street. I'm not. I'm doing that because I'm not trying to guilt any of you. I'm telling you, I'm I'm a piece of work too. I'm at work. I want to continue to grow too. And so I want to I want I, I to remind you back in in Nehemiah. Remember in Nehemiah we had that was one of the books we did early on. And back in Nehemiah chapter two verses four and five it says, "Then the king said to me, What are you requesting?" And I love Nehemiah, so he goes, so I prayed to the God of heaven. In the middle of the conversation, he stops and prays. Have you ever done that in the middle of a conversation where you know if it continues going, it's gonna, the, the, the train's coming off the tracks? Do you stop and pray? Do you stop and listen to the Holy Spirit? Because that's part of what, what a godly communication should look like in the marriage. Or do you have to get your point across? You need to seek the Holy Spirit. Seek the Holy Spirit for wisdom in your speech. In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. And this is one I'm just going to give the women. This is for us husbands. I've been married 36 years, okay? This is, so please, women, y'all get this. We are naturally ready to fix things. As soon as you tell us a problem, we're already in our head trying to fix it. If you just want us to listen, tell us, I don't want you to fix this. I just need you to listen. Just let us know that, okay? Because in our heads, we're already trying to fix it, and we're not listening, that's what we naturally do. See, when we're in our flesh, one of the things that we do have that happens when we're in our flesh is, is we, we have anger and, and division and all those things of the flesh. But when you're in the fruit of the Spirit in your communication, you'll have that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control where you won't go off the rails. So if you're going off the rails, maybe there's an issue with your walk. You need to go back to the growth acronym. Am I, in, am I praying daily? Am I reading daily? Am I being obedient to God's word? Am I witnessing to others? Am I trusting God with my time, talent, and treasure? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to guide me in my words and my, my deeds? Am I, are we doing that as a couple? Can I tell you, these are things you'll always work on as a, in a marriage. So don't, there are seasons that happen. Okay, the last thing, <laughs> I know y'all are like, please stop. Um, the last thing, this is what God gave me when I put this together, so I apologize. Uh, but this is where I needed to go because it was important to me because I, I, I want to see more godly marriages that are thriving in the church. Is, uh, the last thing is godly, in a godly marriage is intimacy. Okay? Now, before the men jump to the physical, let's go ahead and talk about the spiritual intimacy. Ooh, didn't think about that, did you? Right? It's actually spending time uh, talking about the Word of God and spending time in prayer with her. That's why he tells you that uh, in Ephesians 5, 26, that, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by washing of the water with the Word. It's a, it's a, when you're doing that, it's actual intimate time with your wife. So when you're actually spending time talking about, like you're on your way home, 
And you're just talking about the study. That's y'all talking about the Lord and, and what you receive from the study. And that's what God, God wants. You need to be doing that. Ask her. Ask her. Ask the kids. Hey, what did you get from the study today? Right? Those things are important. Intimacy spiritually is very important. That's why you should not neglect. I can remember the first time they told us we need to start praying with our wives. So I was like, what? Why? Now, I was early on in faith. And I was like, that's awkward. And so even she was like, I don't know. And so because we but once we started doing it, as far as praying, it changed things because I started learning. It, it strengthened our communication one. But the crazy part was I started learning that there was stuff going on in her life that I didn't know about that happened in the day. And I got to pray with her about it. But I knew that night before we went to bed. And one of the things my wife always does, she falls asleep right when I'm praying. I hear her snoring. And you know what? I love that. I know most of you are probably, what? Come on, man. But the reason why I love that is because I know that she's at peace. She said everything she needed to say that was on her heart. Or it could be her husband's long-winded in his prayer. You know, that's a possibility as well, too. But at the end of the day, we'd spend that time in prayer. We, we don't miss it that often. Not unless we're both exhausted and we just... <sighs> but we try to make sure we make that time to do that daily. Prayer time is something that actually creates better communication and intimacy. Remember what it says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, For where two or more, or two or three are gathered in my name, there, there I am among them. That covenant that you have with God, when you're praying and you're having that time with Him, God is right there with you. Right there with you. And so the kids need to see a marriage. This is something that's so important. When What a kid needs to see is not just the, the intimacy. Uh, they need to see an intimacy that, that is a strong, godly marriage. They need to see a, a, an intimacy that's not just spiritual, but emotional as well. And guys are like, when we get into the physical, right? But it's emotional. Women are emotional beings. And so if you don't connect to them on an emotional level, spiritually and then emotionally, right? See, so for me, I, I can come to my wife and she can come to me with anything. And what I mean by that is like, there's a peace, there's a trust, there's a compassion there. And that goes both ways. That means if, if I have a shortcoming or a fault or something happens and I go, man, I, I did this and I shouldn't have done it and I need, to, I need to seek forgiveness. And then we'll pray. Like if I say something I shouldn't have said, I'm like, let me get right with God and then I need to ask her for her forgiveness. There has to be that place where it's emotionally safe to y'all to be real without arguing. And that's an intimacy, man, that's, I'm telling you, if you have the communication, you have your walks, your communication, and that intimacy, your marriage is going to thrive. And it's going to be something, because let me tell you something, if you're spending all your time arguing and fighting, 
and throwing insults and getting upset, guess what your kids are going to find? The same thing. Your daughters are going to look for someone the same. Your sons, the same. Because I can sit and tell you with my mother and father, I'll never be like them. And by 17, 18, first year of marriage, done. It was, I was that. Another thing they need to see is as we talk about emotional, emotional uh, intimacy, we talk about uh, encourage them, help them, laugh with them, spend time with them. I do not, I am not a big proponent of date night because I have heard on both sides of the fence, the husband and the wife go, ah, oh, I can't do it, it's date night. I got to make time. Why? Is it that bad? You know what we do? Hey, we ain't got grandkids. Let's go eat breakfast. And we sneak off, and that's our time. We don't, does that happen? It just happens sometime on a Tuesday. Sometimes it'll happen on a Thursday. Right? You, you gotta, you, you gotta spend time. You have to, you have to actually Men, you have to actually pursue them the way you pursued them when you first did, when you first were chasing after them. Don't stop doing that. Emotionally, they need that. Don't go, hey, uh, it's our anniversary. I got to go get flowers. You know what's funny? How many of us do this in the men? I'll, and I'll, I'll know by the way y'all look at me. When you're at, the, you're at HEB and you have the you'll see the guy with the flowers right and you go man what did he do to get in trouble that's the first thing that crosses my head is like because that's what we do we get flowers when we get in trouble how about do flowers just because it's tuesday or write a note to her just because you love her something special don't have to be anything crazy just a little note hey i love you i just want to let you know that don't stop pursuing your, your spouse. It gets easy to do that. Amos chapter 3, verse 3 says, Do, not, do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet. And so we need to, we need to meet uh, those needs. Emotional intimacy happens through communication by sharing and listening. That's what strengthens the intimacy is by communication. And then there's the physical intimacy. And I'll try to keep this as best I can. You can read 1 Corinthians 7, verses 1 through 5, all because we have a, a youth here. I don't want to go too deep into this. If we were at a marriage conference, I would go knee-deep into this, because they never talk about this, ever. Remember that verse I gave you back in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, 21, about serving each other? That's how it's supposed to be. Okay? And sometimes uh, there's different libidos. That happens, okay? Uh, women uh, go through menopause. Uh, women have, uh, when they have babies, they go through major changes. Men go through changes. We don't ever talk about that when they hit 40, right? But we're still to serve one another. And what I mean by that is like, uh, when it comes to that, it, it, it's, it's, I'm not talking about what you're thinking of because I know you all already where you're not supposed to be. I'm talking about the intimacy physically of holding her hand or just just holding her. Right? 
Again, they're emotional beings. They, they need to be loved. And, and when you do that, man, it's like all that other stuff takes care of itself. All that other stuff takes care of itself. The one thing I will say this is that, you know, the marriage bed is between a husband and a wife. And it's considered worship to the Lord. Anything outside of that is sexual morality. And so there was a purpose for that. It, it's considered worship to God. And so, you know, at the end of the day, we need intimacy. There's one for, there's a number of reasons why you have that. It's not only to, appro- to, to have babies, to, have, to reproduce, but it's also to keep you from diving into sexual morality. That's one of the purposes. It's, it's to prevent you from, from, uh, from, from ch- chasing after sin. And, and when you read that in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 1 through 5, it tells you that in, in that verse. But because of the, of the temptations of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. For that reason. And then let's look at is that we dive in as we uh, we leave Christian marriages here um, just remember that it's it's all about the fruit of the spirit and and it's it's about our walk so as individuals we should be growing together uh, uh, individually and as a couple we our communication should be godly but our intimacy should be as well um, and then finally, Jesus answered his disciples. In the house, his disciples also asked him again about the same manner. So he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. So Jesus is just re-clarifying with them about, the, about uh, marriage. Remember, he, it, we talked about it last week, so I won't go knee-deep into this again. Biblical divorce is adultery. And unbeliever abandonment. That's it. That's the only two they give. Okay? Now, if you divorce before you came to know the Lord, that was forgiven when you came to know Christ. If you got remarried, and it wasn't for one of those two reasons, you need to stick in the marriage that you're in and live a godly marriage. Be an example of a godly marriage in this one. You realize my mom got married three times. It wasn't until the third one that it was actually when she chose to follow God. And that marriage is stuck. It's stuck. Because she's living for God. And he's living for God. And, and so, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's one of the things. The disciples are, are reading this and then they tell them in Matthew chapter 10 verses, uh, Matthew 19 verse 10, the disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man and his wife, it is better not to be married. Think about this. We always talk about um, abortion being a sin that we need to for, ask for forgiveness of. Think about how many Christian marriages have been, I, I'm unhappy, uh, I'm tired of, of, of him, I'm tired of her, I'm tired, and they just leave. And now they're committing adultery in the new relationship. And how much of that is in the church? And how much adultery is being committed daily? Right? But you know what? We serve a powerful God. A God of grace. A God of love. A God of mercy. And if that's you, all you do is you say, Lord, help me make this marriage a godly marriage. Okay? And 
and we need to as we need to be examples of a godly marriage. You know, it's sad to think that that we're no better than the world right now in marriage. Which speaks a lot about us individually and us couples. And so if you need prayer, we'll be here. Me and Teresa will be here after or whatever. We'll pray. We'll talk. Uh, if you go, man, this was really, dang, there's a lot of stuff I need to work on. It's okay because there was stuff I went through this and I go, I need to get back to doing that. And, and you just get back to doing it. That's it. You know, don't, don't go home going, well, you didn't do this, and you didn't do that, and you didn't do this, and you didn't do that. Just go, you know what? Look in the mirror and go, what are you not doing? Right? It starts with the individual. First. First. Man, it's so easy to point the fingers out and not look at our own heart. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.